0: Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, nor given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in the pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the holy word. And I pray that now that you'd help us to try to understand what our responsibilities are in Jesus' name. Amen. Of all of our men who are presently serving uh, on our, as one of our deacons, Travis, you are the newest one uh, to come on board, and we're so happy uh, that you have accepted this invitation. And uh, tonight is a special night. It's your night. And uh, we want to glorify God through it. And so when we think about this, I I think about our ladies also, because the Bible is very specific, not only to to a deacon and what they're supposed to be, but it's very specific what the wife is supposed to be also. And so as we think about this, verse 1 tells us uh, as uh, deacons to uh, be grave. What in the world is be grave? Nothing to do with dying and being buried. Uh, but to be serious about the work of the Lord, and uh, when when we know what the will of God is, we need to go after that will in working for the Lord and following in His way. The next thing it makes mention of is not double tongued, and so I say this: say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't lie. Period. Not much wine. Well, that's a debatable in a lot of people's lives, but I say it just like it is. Drinking, drinking is not tolerated in a Christian's life. I know what the Bible says, a little wine for the stomach, and that's exactly what it means. Not greedy of filthy lucre. That's money matters. Money matters. The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil, and we need to set the example. When I think about tithing, um, somebody told me this a long time ago. said, well, I'm on a fixed income. I only receive a check once a month. I said, all right. I don't receive one every week. It, it's uh, two to three weeks apart. And so I said, I want my people to see that they're pastor tithes. And so what I have done is I take uh, that total amount and divide it into four to five Sundays, and so therefore I can give that portion every Sunday, so whoever is looking will see that the pastor tithes. Now, I have heard of churches who the pastor did not tithe, and that is ridiculous. That is a shame unto God, because he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and Jesus backed that up when he sent one to go down to the ocean and get that fish, and there was a coin in its mouth. People said, oh, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe the Bible. But they brought the coin to Jesus. And he simply asked, whose inscription's on there? Well, Caesar's on He said, okay, I want you to give Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And sometimes we rob God. The Bible is specific on that. We rob God. Listen to me. I'd rather break in your house tonight and serve time than I had to rob my God. Hello? Are y'all out there? Pure conscience. Acts 24 16 says, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. I have had to go to many people in the time that I've been trying to be a pastor and say, Look, I'm sorry. I did what I did. I am sorry. I said what I said. And try your best to get it cleared up. But not everybody is going to accept, and I found that out, your and my apology. They're just not going to do it. But at least you have done your part. You have got the dirt off of your shoes. And you have cleared the air as far as God is concerned between you and that person. Um, we need our conscience to be guided by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 10 makes mention of the word proved. Every day is a day to prove ourselves. Not to God, he already knows. But to prove ourselves to man. Also in that verse 10, it uses the word blameless. Blameless. That's innocent before God. You know, when we've confessed our sins to God, the Bible says he forgives us of our sins. Cleanses our heart. And he removes those sins as far as the east is from the west. And he's cast them into the deepest part of the sea meaning he don't want us to go and pick up the past. You know, I've said it many times, and I want to say it again tonight. Whatever I've done up to the point I got saved, when I got saved, God removed, erased, done away with everything from the day I got saved backward. I'm going to stand before him and give an account, not what I did before I was saved, but what I did after I was saved. How faithful was I? How committed was I? Am I? Blameless and before God. Verse 11 says, wives, your wife. Not somebody else's wife. Now, uh, ladies, the word grave is mentioned to you also. Simply means be serious about the Lord and his work. Be serious about your man. Be serious about your children. And be serious about your church. Not slanderers. For words, that's telling and supporting lies, okay? That's against God's rule. Sober. Not a drunk, but clear Thinkers faithful the Bible says in all things not some things but in all things we are to be uh, faithful and ladies this is a load but God will help you uh, as deacons wives to uh, carry this load verse 12 let the deacons be the husbands of one wife nothing more no more is there a uh, is there room for an outside lover? No, there's not. No, there's not. Children, hey, who honor and respect their parents. Bible says their own house. I say it this way, one's enough to try to keep up and try to keep law and order uh, within the house. Now, I have found uh, watching Travis and Heather Uh, and their children, I have found that these things are true about them. They were faithful before they became the children's minister. They were faithful after they became the children's minister. You can count on them. They're here. They're present. And if you need anything, hey, they're willing to go overboard they're willing to go beyond the call that God has extended them to be our children's minister and now uh, to be our deacon. All right. According to our bulletin, we have the charge to the deacon. Travis has to you, son, and to Heather. But it's also, I want to say This. To every one of you who are active deacons and wives at the present time. I want to say one thing at the outset before I go to the charge. I was ordained as a deacon before I was ordained as a pastor. I don't know how long Lynn and I had been married But the church, Friendship Baptist Church, ordained me to be a deacon. And Lynn was always there for me to guide and to help me. If I couldn't be there, she was. Someone said about her, said she is faithful everywhere. And she says, I went to every meeting, I went to every service, except the deacon's meeting. She was there. You could count on her. When I surrendered to preach, hey, it was tough on her. It was very tough. But she followed me. She simply said what we had promised each other in our vows wherever you go, I will go. We left Anderson County. We left. Our high school friends, we left our families, we left the first house that we built to come to Oconee County. And I thank God that I hadn't had to move every two or three years. I have an uncle and an aunt, many of you know that. My uncle is 89 years old, my aunt is 90 years old. I was the first child born into that family. Let me tell you something. All the way up to today, that couple is and has been, still are faithful, not only to each other, 90 years old. And I try to call them every Sunday, but if I want to talk to my aunt, I have to call her. Because when I ask my uncle, how's Aunt Zoe? Zoe. Oh, she's jumping around here doing this, and that's about all you get. So this morning, I called her phone. I said, I just want to talk to you and hear your voice. After we hung up, I turned around and called my uncle's phone. He had no idea I had called her. I did not tell him, because I didn't want him to feel left out, because usually I call him. And so when we hung up, Lynn started telling about Aunt Zoe and what an example that she has been all the years in teaching, Sunday school, working with the GA crowd, taking them on trip, doing all kinds of things. And she's still steady at it. Travis, you and Heather are young, and I am thankful that you are willing to follow the Lord in the decision that this church has made. First of all, I I want to talk about being committed. I don't have to tell you how committed this couple um, are. They're, They're faithful. But I want to say something. And you listen carefully. You can take it any way you want to. As I said, Lynn supported me. If I couldn't be there, she was. I feel like at every service our deacons ought to be present because people ask me well where is my deacon well i don't know you know boys uh, guys i'm accountable to you i am accountable to you if i don't show up and some church member asks you as a deacon where's the pastor hopefully you're going to know because it's important to know so i say it this way if you as a deacon can't be here then you as a wife need to be unless there's sickness. When there is sickness, I believe you ought to be with your wife and or your husband and or your children, whoever is needed, okay? It's uh, something that bothers me when our men and our ladies aren't committed to serving the Lord. Let me tell you something, nothing takes the place of, your presence here. Nothing will take the place of that. Now, let me listen, listen to me carefully. You might have one of your family members that's dying and at the hospital. I would expect, if possible, for both of you to go, husband and wife, to go. Don't be afraid to go. Go. But if one of you have responsibilities here, then the other one needs to go. I need to be let know. Here again, it goes back uh, to communication. But I, was, I, just want, uh, I just want our deacons and wives to be committed to what God has called you to do. You are, just like I gave the charge to the church, you are responsible to pray for your pastor, for your members, for your uh, family list that you have. You're responsible to check on them. Now, I know, I've looked at this list. We have a lot of people who are just simply this way, inactive. Well, you know, there's some people just not going to come. I mean, I don't believe they'd come if you fed them every service. I don't believe they'd come if you paid them because they're just not committed. But still, they need to know who you are. and They need to know that you miss them. There was an old boy in our community. He didn't go to church, but his wife and children did. I begged him to come. He and I was good friends. He said, I ain't coming. I don't want to come. It's okay. Well, every Sunday morning about 8 o'clock, I'd call him. Ronnie, you up? Yeah, I'm up. I said, you coming to church? Nope. Told you I wasn't coming. After about four to five Sundays, I'm serious, 8 o'clock. Hello? Hello? I still remember his phone number. 54-730. After 50, so, right about the fourth, fifth Sunday. I called him. Arnie, you up? Yes. Are you going to call me every Sunday morning and tell me I need to come to church? I said, until you tell me to stop. And he didn't tell me to stop. <clears throat> we were getting ready for a Christmas play. Our Joseph, <clears throat> excuse me, our Joseph was sick. Ronnie had a full beard, hair down to about right here, as well as myself. I had hair down to here. He and I were buddies. We rode motorcycles together. We, we did all kind of things together. I called him that Sunday afternoon. I said, Ronnie, our, we, we're working on our Christmas. Don't start. I said, just listen. Hear me out. You can say yes or no. Okay, boy, Okay. I said, our Joseph is sick. And I said, would you please? I said, all I want you to do is come tonight and read Joseph's part so everybody will be familiar with it. <sighs> I guess so. He came. He came back. He came back. The other Joseph said, listen, it looks like to me he's doing excellent. Just let him have it. He was the first one that memorized every word of his part in that whole play. He started coming to church long story short he became a sunday school teacher he became one of our deacons and he was my one of my bestest bestest friends it's amazing he and I wore the same size shoe same size pants same size shirt and same height we were friends we were friends we need to be committed, and we need to pray, and we need to encourage our families to keep on keeping on. And again, we need to get to know them. How are you going to know people if you don't go see them? Here again, writing a letter, it's okay. Put your picture in there if nothing else, here, here, here I am, you know, <laughs> There was an advertisement by an evangelist one time on TV. <clears throat> he says, uh, I know you all want to give to my ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said, I'm going to mail you a letter. And you can put the money right in my hand. He photocopied his hand, put it in the letter, and mailed it all over. He said, so you can put that money right in my hand, okay? Fooly. You know, a picture is Okay? A picture's worth a thousand words, but I'd rather hear from my deacon a thousand words. How, hey, I'm so proud to be your family deacon. Proud of it. And I want to be all you need, (coughs) excuse me, as um, a deacon. To encourage, to get to know your families. Communicate again. You're to communicate with me. I'm to communicate with you. And I'll be the first to admit that I haven't always done that like it should have been done, okay? When I hear somebody in the hospital, I need to go. I need to let you know. But praise God, listen, that all call is important. And if any of you deacons and or wives are not getting the all call, you need to make it happen in the morning so that you will know. Now, there are an occasion, hey, I may miss the all call. Don't assume I got the same message you did. Preacher, this is George. Uh, Did you know so-and-so's in the hospital? Yes, sir, I did. I got the all call. But thank you for reminding and checking up. Communication. If we don't have it, if we don't have it, listen. I think it was five or six first-time guests here this morning. Why are they coming? I feel like they're coming because the Lord's leading them here. And when they get here, they can't help but like it and love it and want to stay. And we've got to stay at it, guys. Every week is a a week and a time to spend on inviting, encouraging, and giving out that pamphlet. Try it. Let's see if it's going to work. Okay. Visit. Uh, you know, in our bulletin, all right, this week's Miss Helen James, okay? Now, I don't know if she's on a deacon list or not, but I, I think that all of our shut-ins and homebound people need to be assigned uh, uh, a deacon. And that deacon needs to go. Don't just call. Don't just send a card. Go see them. Here again, nothing's more important than making contact. Charles Stanley said, no contact no impact and I think he's right someone told me not long ago I was visiting they says you are a dying breed you make house calls you make hospital calls you have time for people to talk to call you to ask you to counsel with them hey I'm not Educated in counseling. But I do my best. And I tell people. Hey I don't charge. So I won't. Travis I want you to. Already you're doing it son. I, I've watched you. You're already. Uh, doing what we're talking about tonight. And um, I know you're going to get better at it. Uh, letting people see you. Uh, you know. I heard of this church. I don't know which church it was. It doesn't matter. But they say, you know, we never see the pastor till time comes to preach, and he walks out and he preaches, and then he goes out. Here again, I'm that dying breed. I'm standing at the door to greet you goodbye and to thank you for coming. I'm not going to quit that. Now, I get in a wheelchair, boys. I'm counting on somebody to get me up and down and in and out and around about. Okay? Uh, That's my calling. My calling is to minister to people. And so are you as our deacons and deacons' wives. You're to be here to minister uh, to people. And love. Love is 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 a big thing. You know, I can tell you all day that I love you. But if I don't do anything to show that, what good is it? What good is it? A man at our first church, when I spoke on a Wednesday night, question and answer session. After that, we went into the fellowship hall. He's an older man. I'd say he was probably in his late 70s, early 80s. He was sitting down on a pew in the fellowship hall. And he said, preacher, come over here. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what's this old man want? Now I am an old man. I went over, I sat down. He said, I got one question for you. I don't know the past pastors. I have no idea. He said, I want to ask you a question. If we vote you in as our pastor, are you going to love us? I said, yes, sir, I'm going to love you. The first thing that happened, the first week that I was pastor there was Vacation Bible School. I was teaching an adult class. His wife, he would drive up and let his wife out and go home. Then he'd drive back when Bible school was over and pick her up. Josh was just a little boy, five years old, and we lived 35 miles away, and my transportation was a motorcycle. Put Josh on the back, and the way we'd come up to Earl's Grove, 35 miles one way. This particular day, I had done got my helmet on, got Josh's helmet on. I'd done fired it up, put the kickstand up, and he rolls up to get his wife. I cut the bike off, I put the kickstand down, I took my helmet off, and I walked over there to the car. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. He said, you sure went to a lot of trouble just to shake my hand. I said, I love you. That relationship never ended until he left this world. Love, you got to show it. you got to you got to say something. You've got to do something uh, to prove uh, that love. And and Travis, son, I, I have all high hopes for you because I've called on you to do things, and you're Johnny on the spot. Heather, you're the same way. And so you can look at it this way, deacons and deaconesses are deaconettes, okay? I feel like when you accepted the call, uh, you as the leader of your household, Oh. Uh, Heather followed you. And to say that to all of you deacon men, you know, your wife ought to be following you. And if she's not here tonight, you tell her. Hey, if I can't be there, you need to be there. And I, I'm, you know, God, I think God expects it. He wants us to be faithful to our calling. I wanted to be the best deacon I could be. Now I want to be the best pastor I can be. Lacking in all areas. But it's something we strive for uh, every day. At this time, Travis, son, would you please come and take this seat right here. At this time, we're going to have uh, the laying on of hands. And Let me tell you something. This has uh, no power in it. It's just simply saying, Travis, we approve of you accepting this call to become one of our deacons. So if you are a deacon in the house tonight, you don't even have to be a member of this church, but if you're a deacon at uh, that's why. I want to invite every ordained man to come by, lay hands on Travis, say anything you'd like to say to him, and then walk right over here is his certificate. Sign your name on the back. And Scott, if you would, when you sign, put chairman, and Danny, you put vice chairman. So Years down the road, when Travis opens that up, he won't have to wonder who the chairman was or the vice chairman. He won't have to wonder which deacons came by and laid hands on him, okay?